pinch me pinch me somebody i don't know what's happening today i really don't know what's happening here today this is just the most outstanding italian grand prix you could ask for in so many ways it's a win for the sport it might not be a win for a certain max verstappen or a certain lewis hamilton but a win for formula 1 and there is a ton to dissect ton to analyze a ton to pick out and just maybe ask those critical questions and we've got so many of them here today thanks to all of you on social media as well so what's on the agenda today what's on the menu we firstly just ask how good were mclaren and daniel ricardo so many more questions to ask on this so much more to discuss about lando norris as well moreover the defining moment of the season analyzed from all the angles so many questions again I say this so many times but that's what the thing is for today. The stats review by Sundaram also comes up to you. Of course, F1 stats guru is what he's known as. We speak about Sergio Perez's squandered chance to win the Italian GP. Ferrari of course thwarted at home and all the other misses from the Italian GP. at the same time you will answer all your questions from all of our social media handles so thank you so much for sending them in let's dive down into it second time in two years that we've seen a midfield team come up and take a win in Imola not Imola Monza you see the excitement is getting to me so let's not wait let's actually understand all of this right here on the inside line f1 podcast and pits to podium Welcome along folks. Welcome. Welcome in to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits the Podium. My name is Somal Arora, joined by Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team. Breathe in and exhale. It's not a yoga class. We we genuinely needed to do that, Kunal. This is just just fundamentally the most crazy Formula 1 race I've seen in a while. And the best part is we get to say this all the time now. We do. And for once, it's actually not because of you know a battle or a crash between Max and uh, Lewis itself. It was just also because of that mighty display by Daniel Ricciardo. And I must say, you know, I put this out on Twitter. What's actually fun? What's fun is hearing Daniel Ricciardo on radio. What's even more fun is hearing Daniel Ricciardo on radio after he's won. a race and he's won a race he's really been waiting for this one and let's put this out there two things immediately on my mind Samuel first is Daniel Ricardo won this on merit hmm. it's going to sound as though Max and Lewis were fighting for the lead of the race and they you know crashed out and Daniel scored the win but no he won this on merit that's the first thing and the second very very important thing I don't think we've seen the last of Max and Lewis coming together especially this season which actually tells me we need to celebrate Daniel's win over the crash that has happened. So let the crash and the penalty and all our observations and opinions not oversee the fact that Daniel Ricardo won a race for McLaren and then of course McLaren scored a 1-2 and those McLarens were unovertakeable. You know they've literally made me introduce a, a word in the english uh, dictionary you shall not pass that's what daniel ricardo and lando norris were saying we will discuss the crash but in a few minutes let's first celebrate this win and let's first talk about how good were ricardo and mclaren and also lando norris you know if there's one moment that generally defines it it was lando norris's bravery on the restart when he just went on the grass and actually passed charles leclerc right there that was 
in a way symbolic of the new McLaren. Young, unafraid of whoever comes up against him. Even though it's the opponent's home race, we couldn't care. That pass was symbolic and you're so right with it. Ricciardo was ahead and Ricciardo was leading. Firstly, it was, of course, going to go in their direction because Hamilton, it was a bit of a variable to see where he would cycle out. But Verstappen had a slow stop, remember. Don't forget he was in the pit lane for 10 seconds. Uh, in the pit box, I'm sorry, for 10 seconds. And Hamilton for four. It would have been in Ricciardo's hands anyway. This is just stunning. And and the best thing I can say, Kunal, is maturity all the way around from the entire team today. It was. And, you know, you spoke of Norris's uh, bravery. I think even Norris's maturity. After a point, he realized that uh, he needs to play the team game. I am sure it hurts, even though he's, you know, he's celebrating the one and two. I'm sure it hurts because... He's been the lead driver at McLaren. We've seen that mm -hmm. this season. He's been the driver that's been bringing the podium and the fantastic results while everyone's, you know, waiting for Daniel Ricciardo to find form. And then suddenly, uh, you know, when the first race win comes for the team, it's Daniel Ricciardo. And I'm not surprised Lando actually said post-race that I had the pace to win the race. Ooh. You know, that's obvious. He's a racing car driver. But phenomenal teamwork. I'm totally for uh, the fact that, you know, McLaren used team orders to secure a one-two finish rather than go and get their drivers completely crazed up or give them the opportunity of doing something completely crazy. And they're in the battle with uh, Ferrari to win on Ferrari's home turf and to take the lead again, you know, in, in for P3. I think those scenes we will remember forever. And, you know, going going back to the 90s and the 2000s, when you were either a Ferrari fan or a McLaren fan, if you have stayed along with Formula One and you're still a fan, there's a very high chance that you would have loved today's Ferrari, uh, McLaren <laughs> win over Ferrari and, and that you love McLaren's recovery that they've been going through through the hybrid turbo era, Samuel. It's outstanding. McLaren's first 1-2 since 2010 Canada. That's a long time. McLaren's first win since Brazil 2012. We were always wondering, when will it arrive? Will it arrive with Honda? Will it arrive with Renault? It's finally come with Mercedes. And I've got two thoughts on my mind. Firstly, on Lando Norris. His mom would be proud today. His parents would be proud. Like, because you always want to see your children be good team players, be good people on the whole. And Norris was. He phrased it very smartly. He said... What is important for us right now, paraphrasing of course, but he got the idea, he said something around the lines of what's the best for the team right now? And the team said, just staying where you are. And Kunal, it's firstly astounding just to take a step back and realise that he's able to paraphrase his questions so well while driving on the limit at a circuit like Monza, which is known to be very demanding. But secondly, just the fact that there's this sense of maturity that even though you could be the selfish one going out there to take the win, you don't. You smartly played for the team and they're knowing what the game is. I think, if anything, it gives him more reputation in the paddock instead of just going and taking that win. But the second thing, Monza, for the second year running, Kunal, has just proven to be a ground of redemption for midfield drivers looking to get something up on Red Bull again, back from the past. Isn't it outstanding? <laughs> it's crazy. But question is, is generally Ricciardo back now? It's one thing that everyone might be wondering, but what do you reckon now? I'll put it this way. He was, he's was he been close to Norris all through this weekend. Yes, Norris was the fastest driver. And we say this purely by seeing the qualifying result. But it's not that the gap was what the gap has been in the last 10-12 races. The hmm. gap was much closer or probably the closest that I can remember between Ricardo and Norris. That's point number one. And point number two, eventually, 
Ricardo jumped him in the sprint on Saturday. That gave him, you know, the opportunity to be on the front row for Sunday. He just made his luck work. And the question to ask Samuel is, is Daniel Ricardo back? Well, we don't know yet. It's just been one race since, you know, we, we've seen him actually uh, do what we've remembered. Like Ricardo said, I never left. I just stepped on the side. You know, the the, the phenomenal race message, the post-race message. I think it's going to, it's, we should make a t-shirt out of it. I never left, you know. I just stepped on the side, you know, whatever he said, you know. But yeah, so... Uh, this result will definitely buoy Ricardo's confidence, Ricardo's recovery, Ricardo's settling into McLaren. All the questions that you know were suddenly asked, you know, is Norris getting the better of him, and so on and so forth. Then it's definitely going to put a positive spring and a step in him, you know, in the races to come. It's going to help him, uh, you know, take the bad results, come his, you know, a little more lightly on himself. And I liked how he said, you know, he used the August break to recover his batteries, to recharge. And let's remember, it's just the, the, the summer break was just three weeks ago and suddenly mm. we are three races in. So, the races have been coming to you much faster than before, right? And that's exactly what's probably what happened to Daniel Ricciardo as well. So I think he's back, but let's wait and let's wait and see how much is he actually back. That's such a good point. And our GP Prediction League winners, more on today's competition in a little bit, but they said that they expect Ferrari to beat McLaren because they've got two drivers. Well, the tide has turned around finally. So let's actually go to a few social media questions that we've got from all of you, our dear listeners and viewers. And thank you so much for sending them in. We get to McLaren first. There's one from Aryan Singh. Can we say that McLaren robbed Norris of a potential maiden win? Team orders, but still. And of course, the second one from Jaren Joseph, who's asking, did Verstappen go easy on Ricciardo? Let's answer these first, Kunal, before we move on to speaking more about that crash. What do you reckon? Did McLaren rob him in a way? I don't think they did, right? It was a conscious, conscious I'm sorry, decision by Norris to ask, firstly, do I need to go past? Because, again, drivers with that maturity at such a young age, it's tremendous. I don't think they robbed him, per se. Yeah, I think rob is a very, very, very tough word, very aggressive word to use, you know. I think at the end, McLaren did what they felt was right. They, of course, saw the situation that was brewing. Everyone was worried about Botas and his medium tires. Would the tires run out before the number of laps do? That was literally the thinking that McLaren was going through, you know. And then it was great that Checo Perez held Botas as well. So I definitely don't think they robbed him in any way. And was Verstappen lighter on Ricardo? Again, I don't think so. I don't think Verstappen is light on anyone including himself. I think he's just as hard on every single driver that he races with, you know, including the driver inside him, I'm sure. Now that you've mentioned Max Verstappen, you know what? Let's actually get right to it. It's the defining moment of the season. Silverstone was something. This is just something else. Uh, Ted Kravitz on Sky Sports, I just love the man. He said we should just coin the phrase Verstappen and Hamilton Go have a sprint race on Saturday and crash on Sunday because that seemingly has been <laughs> the case all the time. Watch out. Watch out for Interlagos if you are into betting, which I don't think you should be. Put your money on them, right? For silver, for Interlagos, maybe this is going to happen. But <laughs> all things considered, Kunal, this is just... Firstly, uh, let me compose my thoughts for a second. What I mean to say is, thank goodness for the halo. You can never, ever, ever 
doubted again. Just the visual, just the sight of seeing Verstappen's rear wheel on Hamilton's shoulder, even with the halo, was quite something. And Martin Brundle on commentary was recollecting a moment where Ayrton Senna also had a similar moment with him back in the day. But Senna's car was actually revving at the background. We should be lucky that Max wasn't doing that. That is a frightening thing. So, good things first. Safety, everything worked. That was perfect. But what was not perfect, Kunal? All this happened. In a way, it's perfect for Formula 1. We all need these moments, right? In a rivalry like Senna versus Prost, like Schumacher versus Hakkinen. We need moments like this one. And we've got two of them with Verstappen versus Hamilton. Your thoughts? Penalty? Just, just be totally honest. Just go for it. Well... I think the FI really needs to stop with the nonsense, in my view. <laughs> uh, I see it as a racing incident, and I really wish that it neither driver was penalized. Of course, only one driver was penalized in the end. And uh, the reason why I say this is, you know, I of course, everyone by now who's interested in Formula One and the crash and the FIA and the way they dissected it, it's a very interesting dissecting they've done. You know, they said who was ahead before, who was ahead after, what happened, what didn't happen. And I think this is the bane of technology in a lot of ways. You can literally slow it down to every frame and be like, on that square inch of the track, Lewis was one tenth behind or one, you know, whatever step ahead. And hence, Max should have yielded. And I, I think, I think that technology is great to have you know when we really need to dissect and learn things but uh in my view when a driver is going for it i don't think he or she is going to think just so much in that you know that oh i need to make sure i do this i do that sometimes you just need to overtake or you just need to defend and max needed to do that he knew that if lewis went away lewis would just go he would finish behind lewis so he was right in not wanting lewis to go and likewise with lewis as well both drivers knew they had that one chance and that opportunity came because of their slow stops or whatever it is else that that happened right so i think max was of course over ambitious i think lewis did give him just about space as well but was that enough space, that whole corner, the way it goes, you know, with the turns, turn one on the right, turn two on the left. I, I think just when you put all the factors in place, I don't think, you know, the, the word predominantly is being misused out here, in, in my view again. And uh, I just wish it was a racing incident. I think both drivers paid the penalty with a DNF. You can't get a bigger penalty than that. You're not scoring points for yourself, right? And just because they gave Lewis a 10 second whatever in Silverstone, they have now given Max a three-place grid penalty because, of course, Max was out of the race. And, you know, the only common thread in this sawmill is that both times it was the driver attacking, it was a driver making a move that got penalized. And that's where I'm literally wondering, are the rules being so strictly put in place to avoid any sort of you know, overtakes that go slightly over the line. Because on one end, we are like, hey, let's design cars so that they can <laughs> overtake. And now when, you know, we've got cars which you almost cannot overtake in. And if an overtake happens and it's a little bit of a question mark, you're like, that's a penalty. Yeah. End of rant. Thank you. You're right with that. Wasn't it Austria where we saw something similar like that happening to the driver trying to overtake as well? I, I, I don't get it. And it's a racing incident. Lewis could have left more space. Let's answer the questions that we got from all of you, uh, dear listeners and viewers. One from Manav. It's, it 
goes back to why we saw this happening. Manav is asking, Max forgot he's in a faster car. He could have had more chances to overtake ahead in that lap. You can't do that right in that case. When you when you see your major title rival slip up after a slow pit stop, much like you, of course, you have to get past. You just do. Max could have waited, but you can't tell that Max was faster. Lewis was just about as competitive, and there was always that variable with those compounds of tyres after changing it. So you couldn't quite tell, but... And that here the moment really gets to him. But, but seriously, you know, Lewis could have left the space. Max could have been... I don't know what Max could have done. Seriously, I, I don't get it. Why? It's just, 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 it's just beyond me. But uh, it's, it's, it's true. It's true what you're saying. What could have Max done? Max could have backed out. You're yeah. expecting a racing car driver to back out in the middle of two corners, in in the middle of a technical. I wouldn't say. It. Yeah, ex exactly. What should he have taken the runoff? And then given the spot back to Lewis and then, you know, do what every other driver did. Give the spot away in a way that you can overtake the next corner. Should he have not attacked at all? Yeah. I mean, Max was not in the quicker car in Monza, at least based on the data we saw. He was just unable to take the battle to the Mercedes cars right from qualifying as we saw that. So he was right in wanting to make the most of the opportunity that came his way. And could he have made the overtake later? I don't know. I mean, you yeah. know, you're in a high-speed sport. The stakes are so high. That's Lewis Hamilton. It's one of the most difficult drivers to overtake. Why would why are we expecting people to wait? You know, if you know yeah. in 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 cricketing parlance, if the ball is you know out there to hit for a six, you want your batsman to hit it for a six. Spot on. Spot on. And why would they back out? Why would they? Um, if in a situation like this, you expect drivers to back out, something is fundamentally wrong with the sport. And the penalty like this one sets a precedent like that, that in such situations, you should wait and play the longer game. Really? Why do we watch the sport in the first place? Hey, uh, we, we could go on and on. Uh, let's ask, let's answer. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say, hmm. you know, what you just said, just last point. Yeah. The whole waiting game thing, Monza. Let's let's address this point, and I, we said it in 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 the studio that we we had the, the pre-race studio uh, and the post-race studio actually, right, on Via Sport, Monza, Temple of Speed. The highlight of this race is the toe. We said toe, toe, toe. Three things to look out <laughs> for this Grand Prix weekend. We were expecting cars to slipstream by with so much ease, and then of course the wretched DRS wing. But guess what? It was actually difficult to overtake in Monza. That's how the cars have been designed. So on one hand, we're giving drivers cars, which are so difficult to overtake in. And then on the second hand, when they actually try and make an overtake, and you know, you of course have to try, right? Uh, and something goes a little wrong. You're like, Doing, that's a penalty. And sure. again, end of rant. Don't design a bus of a car. I still have a problem with a 2022 car. It is so long. You don't need a car that's so long. They're backing it up by data. So I'm, I'm not an expert. I, I'm just sitting here in my bedroom. But I, 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 you don't need a car that's supposed to be so long. It doesn't help with the racing. You can see. Hey, apparently they don't like racing, do they? Uh, let's focus more on uh, the other questions. I know I've said it twice, but uh, there are a few interesting ones. Vinayak and Shilp, of course, asked what we just discussed, our opinions on the crash. Uh, T2M3D9. That's a bit of an interesting username. He said, Max is at fault, but not malicious. He doesn't hit the curb. There's no such crash, in my opinion. Racing incident? I guess so. I, I really guess so. But... And finally, Kunal, before we move on to the stats by Sundaram, those curbings were not nice. 
You don't want to see a car flipped up like that. That is vicious. It reminds me of this Formula 3 crash we had in 2019. Uh, I don't remember the driver, one of the Australian ones with really frizzy hair, forgot his name, launched up at Parabolica now, Curva Alboreto. Now we see Max launch up in such a dangerous position. Dangerous position, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't think sausage, sausage curves are the right way, right? You just put a natural blockade and you can't I mean as a driver you have to respect it if you go past just stop and let the other guy go past more on that with Sergio Perez but yes your thoughts I mean I, I can't think curves right now I can't think sausages you know I'm vegan as you guys <laughs> know but uh, I could I mean yes Max did get you know he, he of course uh, it was a weird thing that happened to his car it's like what you see at the end of an aircraft carrier you know that which helps you take off uh could he have backed off? Yeah, well, maybe he's thinking that. Should he have just taken the points? He's been in the lead. I don't know. Who do you think is the big loser? I think the big loser in all of this is Lewis Hamilton because, uh, you know, he he's still behind on points and he scored yeah. no points. That's a good one. Uh, Team-wise, Red Bull Racing still. I will tell this more in a few minutes when we come to Sergio Perez. But driver-wise, nothing ventured, nothing gained, to be honest. Uh, Max could have had a bit of a worse race. Again, more frustrated with that slow stop. Uh, really can't tell. It, it freezes the championship. It's good for Formula 1. Controversy brings more people into the sport. As you rightly mentioned, Kanal, a couple of episodes ago on Silverstone. But this, this is just weird. It, it's good for the sport, let's put it that way. But bad for the sport at the same time in the way that racing is discouraged. Hey, enough on that one. We could go on for hours on this. But we've got something special on the way for you. And you probably know this by this point. It's the stats review by Sundram, who is also known as F1 Stats Guru. Let's go right into this. And there's a bit of a surprising one coming up. So listen in and enjoy. All right, it's time to do the stats review of that Italian Grand Prix. A very, very chaotic, crazy and controversial race. I'm sure people are going to be talking about this Grand Prix for the weeks and years to come. Just how, just because of how the championship battle is boiling over at this point of time. So these sort of races usually tend to bring out a lot of stats and I have a bunch of those. And here are a select few for this particular race. So let's jump straight into it. Let's talk about uh, the man of the moment, the driver of the day, Daniel Ricciardo. He, take, he takes his first race win since Monaco 2018. Uh, that's three years ago. Now, if you remember, Monaco 2018 was a race of redemption because he unfortunately lost that particular race a couple of years ago. That was a race of redemption. And today also seems like a race of redemption because he's had a couple of difficult years with Renault and starting off this season as well. And the man is finally, uh, the, the, the guy is finally back once again on, on the podium. Uh, this was his eighth race win, and each of those race wins in Formula One have come at different at different Grand Prix at different circuits, which is very very interesting. And McLaren have taken their first race win since 2012. This was their first double podium since Australia 2014, and their first race one two since uh, 2010 Canada. They're also the first team this year to take a race one to Mercedes did a bunch of those in 2020, but unfortunately they could not do that this year. And McLaren are the first team to finally, you know, start the score this year. And they are the first team to do so, which is great. I think 
seeing a team like McLaren once again on on the top step of the podium it's it's very very heartwarming knowing how iconic and historic this particular team is and i'm just hoping that we see a lot of mclaren on the podium for the rest of the season and and beyond uh, all right so we have to talk about uh, the podium today was also very interesting uh, we had three mercedes powered uh, in i mean cars and the last time that happened where a mercedes or an engine supplier completely took a clean sweep of the podium was back in 2015 at the mexican grand prix which is again a, a mercedes powered podium um lewis hamilton he suffered a race retirement for the first time since the 2018 austrian grand prix which is 63 races ago and the one before that was that malaysian grand prix back in 2016 so over the course of 5 years he's had just two race retirements which is great speaks a lot about uh, hamilton's consistency and how 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 regular he's he's been in the point um red bulls uh, red bulls three of the four red bulls today did not score points yuki sonoda did not start the race pierre gasly had an early retirement and as you all know max verstappen also had to retire from the race because of that little collision with lewis hamilton towards uh, somewhere in the middle of the race and lastly fernando alonso he finally scored points at the italian grand prix because the last time he scored points at this particular venue was back in 2013 first time he scored points at monza in the hybrid era so those were the stats for the italian grand prix these are just a bunch of them there's going to be a lot more in the stats rundown article which is going to go up on the on the website in a couple of days so do watch out for that and i'll catch you guys at the russian grand prix i had to pinch myself for a second again there i didn't realize that no team has taken a 1 2 this year magic of the f1 stats guru folks follow him on all his social handles down below this is a little bit crazy all the things that we're getting right here all the stats from sundaram but let's for a second speak about valtteri bottas shall we kunal uh i know we are not supposed to bring in the sprint too much here but his sprint performance was flawless even in qualifying bringing out that big lap missed it by a little bit in the main race there's one uh, question here from vesaka or vesaka if i pronounce it correctly the uh, please uh, my apologies for butchering it they've asked is this possibly the race valtteri will be most proud of when he looks back at his mercedes career there's a chance on the individual level kunal this was just phenomenal watching his comeback it was almost like sergio perez in a way <laughs> <laughs> i think i think valtteri he did a phenomenal race through the whole weekend you know he got pole he won the f1 sprint let's remember he had enough pace to actually win the race had he not taken that grid penalty because of the power unit change and whatever else you know he would have won the grand prix but of course could have would have should have and uh what what impressed me the most is the fact that he started whatever at the back of the grid he gained nine for 16 positions mm-hmm. to finish in third place and i think that is phenomenal right and the here's the fun stat valtteri bottas and i'm saying it in the english way right uh <laughs> he he had the least number of overtakes in the whole season for any driver he had only 17 overtakes and guess the number of overtakes he has actually added at the Italian Grand Prix he's almost doubled it i would say right so very impressive performance at least 
you know, given how long it's been since his race win, and he's still not won a race this season, right? <laughs> it definitely seems as a very, very memorable race for for Valtteri, and maybe he he could have won if there was no Checo Perez out there. That's the that's probably the question that I asked myself all along, saying could this have been Valtteri's race if Checo Perez would have been cleared much before, mm-hmm. and could Valtteri or did he have enough pace to take to the McLarens? I don't think it was drop off because his fastest lap came in and all of a sudden there was a bit of peace and calm. Drop off is not that ridiculous unless you telepold yourself back to 2013. But that's Valtteri Bottas. Could have been. But you get a feeling. You feel like he's liberated now. And that is amazing to watch. You feel like he's pressureless. He can go up there, enjoy himself like all drivers would. That's fun to watch, Kunal, isn't it? And we've got a few more races where you can see that element of Bottas again now. Yeah, you know, at the start of the episode, I said it's it's difficult to overtake in Monza. It was, and we were, you know, talking hmm. about the car and being a little cynical about it and so on, right? So we should have added this fact, a caveat that it's difficult to overtake in Monza unless you're Valtteri Bottas, right? right? And I must say this. So this is my observation. F1 released simulation data, which said that your pace advantage needed to be about a second a lap for you to have a higher probability of making an overtake in Monza. And that's pretty high, if you ask me, right? Uh, which means that, you know, you're, of course, then relying on DRS to help you make the overtake. That's my reading of their simulation. Now, Valtteri Bottas could overtake every other car, and he got stuck behind uh, a Checo Perez, where he <laughs> probably did not have that one-second pace advantage. And then, of course... Even the McLarens, you know, were fast and Lewis did not have that pace advantage to take on them as well. So mm. McLarens, of course, being quick, but Valtteri Bottas did fantastic to get himself onto the podium. And he actually radioed the team. I told you so. I told you we could finish on the podium. And he said it was his target coming into this weekend as well. Tremendous stuff. But again, you can't even get closer to the cars. What happens? The tyres go off. I don't get it. Hey, Sergio Perez, his race was interesting. Genuinely, it's a squandered chance. Let's be 100% honest, Kunal. Let's not mince our words, anything quite like that. This is Sergio Perez's race to win. If Verstappen and Hamilton have issues, if even Bottas is not where he should be in terms of starting grid, why is anyone else even having a chance to win this race? Sergio Perez is in a car that could win the title, potentially, at the end of the year. Why is he not there? And with Pierre Gasly putting in performance after performance after performance and now openly even questioning the senior team's decision to not go with him, I think it's fair to ask. This has to be one of the biggest squandered chances of the year. It, it should have and it could have and it would have been him had just his qualifying been slightly better. Exactly. You know, he's struggled in qualifying and that's what did Checo Perez in this weekend. Uh, but I think, you know, he ticked off two very important boxes and these are, of course, things when when you observe, you know, F1 with a little more closed uh, filter up, right? One of the first ones is he helped Max Verstappen get a toe hmm. in qualifying, which meant that he actually was disadvantaged in his Q3 run. So that's one. So that's one of the reasons why he wasn't as quick. He was up ahead, you know, punching a hole through the air so that Max could get a higher advantage, right? And this was in Q3 in qualifying, right? And the second thing, was uh, was what we saw today. So even though he did not win, I think he played a part in at least not letting Valtteri Bottas chase the McLarens for a win. So 
that's also something Red Bull would appreciate, saying no. you actually blocked Mercedes from taking a win. And then, of course, eventually he was off the podium because of his own penalty that he picked up for a pretty silly reason, I would say. No, um, I think we're just, it's like trying to defend something. It's like basically when you head out without an umbrella in the rain and it doesn't rain. So you tell your mom, Hey, but it didn't rain. That's what I did today. But it, it, that's not the main point. I mean, the main point is if, if you're in the second best car, you should be the one winning, right? Of course, the original intention when the situation was okay was to, of course, block off Bottas and the rest. But I think he even got a tow from Gasly in the second one, didn't he? Because there were two qualifying runs, one where they got the best lap time, the other one where Perez was at the back of the queue. But it still didn't work out. It still baffles me a little bit. Yeah, all, I, all I'm reacting to is that, you know, uh, the data that I had and Christian Horner actually came back on the radio after Perez's run saying something something Checo but thanks for giving Max a tour so that's <laughs> where I did take my reading from I, yeah. I wouldn't I don't know if you know Gasly actually gave him a tour or he benefited from one uh, in itself Sommel let's wait and watch you've got a feel for Pierre Gasly where does he go next He's, he's an Alpha Tauri for now, at least. And with Red Bull, you can't even say if it's for the whole year. So let's wait and watch. Their rivals in the midfield, Ferrari. Oh, man, they were thwarted. All things considered, Kunal, this has to be the worst Ferrari result that they could have ever expected on home soil, apart from McLaren having a 1-2 and Ferrari getting a DNF. Just, just hit big time. And it could have been them as well, just marginally away from it. It could have been, you know, eventually they had just about enough pace to be ahead of the midfield scrap, you know, Aston Martin, Alpine and so on. But they did not have the pace to take it to the McLaren team. So all in all, it was, you know, it was just one of those races where Ferrari would have thought home race, let's enjoy it. Let's give the Tifosi something and then just get as many points in the bag and not lose too much ground to McLaren in in the Constructors' Championship. And Sommel, you know, after the safety car and so on, Leclerc was uh, second, I think, because mm. of, you know, he, he got gifted a, a pit stop under the safety car. And uh, it just showed that they did not have the pace to remain in contention with the Red Bulls, Mercedes cars and the McLarens as well. So it was just, you got to take what you get and then to eventually, you know, land up in, in fifth and sixth. Or no, there was fourth and sixth, of course, after Perez's, uh, you know, uh, penalty it, it was probably the best that ferrari could have gotten today there's a few good questions uh, one from ravin kapoor who's come in uh, and asked could ferrari have pushed harder for a podium it's monza after all and they could have shown some fight of course kunal just answered that right now and there's one from aditya <laughs> it's a bit of a rootless one this why does signs always start like a spineless loser always giving away positions yikes that that's a heavy one i wouldn't call that a spineless loser but i mean that said, even Hamilton had a few bad starts. That doesn't make him a spineless loser, does it? It's a bit of a harsh term to use, but starts are hard. Starts really are hard in the midfield, and that's where Ferrari and Sainz always get up mixed in, I guess. Well, <laughs> I'm this okay. We are going to address this with data. We speak to our in-house data expert, Nithyanand, to find out just how many positions which driver has lost or gained that's right. all the 14 races of the season and then we'll know is it signs that you know we can literally term as whatever you know the the viewer has turned uh, termed signs as again a harsh just a very harsh criticism but you know to each his own 
I love the emotion uh, that the racing is bringing out from everybody. I really do. Keep it coming. This is what the sport should feel like. We often end up seeing this happening in football. We often end up seeing this happen in cricket. Not so much in Formula 1 until this year. It's, it's all just spicing up right now. I love to see this. But of course, the final few questions before we go off air for today. It's been a long episode, but I hope you've had a good time. One from uh, Vinayak, and this is a fairly interesting one. Is there something called a seven-time World Championship curse? No one can win more than that, seemingly. I guess there's only one way to find out at the end of the year. But Hamilton still is on the trot for it. It could go either way, but I don't think that exists. But again, there's only one way to find out, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. It's just one way to find out. There are lots of curses. I don't believe in curses, to be honest. It's yeah. just... You know, you get what you deserve, you get what you work for. And see, Lewis Hamilton's working extremely hard for that world title, as is, of course, Max Verstappen. Uh, one from Sahil Banatwala, and I love the excitement. Who won the Italian Grand Prix Quali competition? I don't know, mate. We're getting an answer tomorrow. That's when everyone in our team will get together and find out who actually won. So keep a keen eye on that on the Pits to Podium and the Inside Line F1 podcast social channels. Link down in the description. And the final one from there, it's it's not particularly to the Monza Grand Prix, but I, I love this from Manav. He always comes up and poses such amazing questions. Winner, of course, of the first of the GP prediction competition. 10 teams with three seats or 15 teams with two seats. Context to Toto Wolf saying that he'd like to have three seats in the future. It's a good point. Just financially doesn't seem as feasible, does it, Kunal? You know what? I, I've always been an advocate of three-car Formula One teams, hmm. right? If, if they will find the, they will figure the finances out. Figuring finances out is, in my view, the easier part, right? <laughs> but I think if there's one way to have more talented drivers on the grid, it should be with three-car teams in Formula One. And there are ways and means to structure it. Doesn't mean all teams have to run a third car, and the ones that do. You know, there are ways and means to figure it, figure it out in a way that it's like if Mercedes suddenly scores one, two and three with those three cars, doesn't mean they, you know, score as many points in the constructor. So mm. there are ways and means to figure things out which are fairly distributed. But I think 20 cars, I think, are definitely less uh, when, when I see them racing, especially, you know, when you see Formula 3 or Formula 2, and that's like a massive yeah. field, right? Of course, this is when a lot of people observing Formula 1 would say, what is this guy talking? You know, the cars are so wide and long. <laughs> and then suddenly, instead of 20, he now wants 30 cars. But the truth is, just because the cars are out of proportion or obese right now, as we call them, doesn't mean we shouldn't have enough of them for all the exciting talent out there in the world. Sorry. Let's do a role play. I'll be Formula 1's management. You're wrong, Kunal. We can change the circuits, we can change the drivers, we can change the entire sport, but we won't change the cars. God forbid, whatever happens. <laughs> but uh, this is actually a very good point. They could work it out like MotoGP, have wildcard cars. So they don't have to be there for every race. You can just pick and choose when you want to have your third car for your younger drivers. So And, and the wildcard doesn't exactly count for constructors' points as well. So, if, you, for instance, you could have out of an 18-round season, assuming there's 18. I love the number 18 for Formula 1 rounds. But say, six races where you have three cars, maybe you could pick out which six races they are. And it could open up a bidding war for the third seat at times, but that's a separate matter. Point is, there are far too many young drivers who are far more prepared than the previous generation who are missing out on this. And it'll be fun to see them have a chance. But seems like it's not on the agenda right now, so we've got to wait and watch. But Kunal, before we round off this episode... 
I'm going to put you on the spot. One word to describe Monza. Not not Monza as a circuit, of course, but this particular race as a whole. Phenomenal. Shui. That's the word. Shui. I must oh. say, I almost thought that Daniel Ricciardo was not going to do the Same. Shui because he did it literally after like everyone thought, yeah, that that's it. That's the podium. And where's the Shui? Oh, he's forgotten the Shui. And then he pulls out <laughs> the Shui and we had a grand affair with with all the McLaren boys and, uh, you know, having having a drink from the Shui. So Shui is my word to this, the one word to describe this Grand Prix weekend song. And what about you? Stunning. Uh, because it was stunning. Uh, I, I, I was lost for words when I saw that accident, and I still <laughs> am partially. So it, it just describes it properly. Stunning. But how did you like this episode, folks? We would like to know this from you. Leave a like, leave a comment, leave a share. Can you leave a share ever? Share this video and this podcast if you liked it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium. You know the deal. Give a subscribe if you liked it. And we shall see you next week for another live stream, shall we? So be right here. Follow us on all our social channels to also find out the results of the pole position competition. Have a nice day, folks. Have a nice weekend. Enjoy. Have a, have a good time. And don't forget to pour some alcohol in your shoe and have a drink if you're Australian, if you're having a good time. See you, folks. Bye-bye.